Welcome to Quick Shots. Quick Shots. Quick Shots. Oh, welcome to Quick Shots, where we answer your questions in a hurry. <laughs> Sorry, that always. Not in a hurry. I um, got more time. I got plenty of time. What do you got? No, that's true. But you, you, did, got you did go for a thirty-minute walk around <laughs> the, the Prana Center. I'm not really sure, but me and JB were left left to our devices to talk I about did, pop I, culture. I did turn the coffee machine on. It takes a while. <laughs> Um, all right, Paul. What do we start? We got six. Uh, no, sorry, we got three questions. Um, we got a, we got a batch of six actually. And in other words, got you're picking the one that you don't want to answer. Yes, Go for it. Yes, Come on, yeah. you, hit me with it. Come on. <laughs> no, no, they're all really good. They're all really good. There's always a bit to consider, isn't there? Um, I well, that's the problem. With... You're going to pick the one that's too good, too hard to answer. <laughs> Come on. No, no, there's a few here. Let's just go right. let's just go with Param. Okay. Um Param has asked should one buy multiple cheaper properties or one big property? Yeah, I mean it's it's a good question. Um I think it, it is hard to answer without the context. What what I would mm. say is typically I think you're better off buying affordable properties. Now, now now that might mean um one bigger property or, or it might be mean multiple. It, it depends. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I would say is, uh, so, so stick to the affordable end of the market. And the reason that we do that is you've got a much uh, deeper pool of tenants. The more expensive the property, the more expensive the rent, the lower the pool of tenants, because typically, you know, as as people earn more and more income, you've got less people that, that earn that income. And, and most people will spend roughly 30% of their net income on the actual uh, rent. Mm. So stick to the affordable end of the market and affordable properties. And then what I would say is I had this conversation with someone the other day. If you can afford to go to 700,000, don't go to 600 would be my my tip if, if, if just to use a random number. And the reason I'd say that is because if you, if you leave 100,000, it's not enough to buy another property. And I think you, you're going to get you know, um, bang for bucks. So if you've got the ability to go to 700, you know, you're going to get that little bit more um, bang, bang for buck and value. So I think uh, I've sort of answered in a, in a, in, in two different ways in that, that, you know, buying one more expensive property versus multiple properties, stick to the affordable end, but do go to the upper limit of your borrowing capacity, I think. Mm. Okay, okay well Vanessa. Answered. Uh, Vanessa wants to know what is the best way to assess the likely rent return on a property that we're thinking about buying. Ah, well, Vanessa, there's I, I guess there's three answers to that question um, because it will be assessed. Uh, it will be assessed across multiple parties. Obviously, yourself first one. Um, you can do a little bit of a reconnaissance on the market, realestate.com. I always like to have a little bit of a look at what's actually being um, rented and what for and, and how comparable is it to the property that you're looking at. So have have a look and a little bit of a dabble around. I'd always use the slightly more conservative figure. Number two is you can go to, don't go to one, but go to two at least, completely different property managers who are in that area and ask them for an indicative rental appraisal. Uh, and they'll give you a rental appraisal for that property if you can provide them with uh, the details of the property, uh, if not the address. Um, and they'll be able to tell you exactly what they're renting those properties for today with a bit of a range. Some of them give you a $20 range, some a $40 range, some $50 if there's a market like using Adelaide for an example where they are achieving really high weekly rentals. 
rental rates, um, but they sort of want to give you a little bit of a conservative, you know, just, just in case you don't get the highest. So sometimes you might get a $50 variable. And the third time, by the way, Vanessa, that your rental will be assessed is when you choose the property, you go to the bank, you get the loan, um, or you're applying for the loan, I should say, the valuation that will be done on the property will not only include the valuation of the property itself, but it will do a valuation of what that valuer deems the indicative rental rate to be. Now, all three of those things might be slightly different um, and you just have to average them out and, and that would be how I would assess my rental return. But rest assured, it will be looked at by multiple parties for you. Very good. Let's go over to last question for you, Kazi. Mm. Uh, this is always one that comes up. This is from Arash. Residential or commercial as an investment, obviously. Uh, well, I'm maybe not obvious, but I'm assuming that we're talking in the, the scheme of property here. Resi or commercial as an investment, why? Look, residential is a lot safer. Um, so, so it depends on your risk appetite. It also depends on how sophisticated you are, what resources you've got. The thing about commercial property is that the value of commercial property is typically tied to um, the cost of money. You know, uh, whatever interest rates are doing has a massive impact on the value of commercial uh, real estate. Uh, the other thing is with commercial real estate, you don't have the protections of um, consumer legislation. So with, with residential property, uh, the bank, literally, if you keep making the repayments, the bank can't do anything. Whereas with commercial property, uh, the bank isn't governed by the same loan mm. loan protections. So every two years, they reassess completely the value of the property, your income, whether you can service the loan, and they can force you to sell the property if you don't um, tick all of those boxes. Whereas residential property, you know, you can get a 30-year loan and literally not until the end of the 30 years do they get a chance to revalue the property, reassess your ability to service the loan unless you're refinancing, obviously. So you're protected where if you're making the repayments, it just sits there and does its thing. Commercial property, you don't get that protection. So I just think, you know, the commercial property has a place, uh, but I would say it's probably more for experienced property investors who've got some resources um, and some runs on, on on the board, you know, got a bit of um, asset and, and, and equity behind them. So look, not pro one particularly over the other, but residential mm. property, I'd say, suits most people if you're a mum and dad investor or or just wanting to do something that sits on the side and, and appreciates in value. You don't want to be as active with it. Arash. Yeah, what, what, what's your risk appetite, I suppose? That's Quick Shots, guys. Send in your questions. Our email's in the show notes. The social handle's there too. We'd love to hear from you and mm. we'll see you next week. What he said. Thanks for listening to another episode of The Double Shot with your favourite cousins, Alex and James Fitzgerald. If you've got a burning question or something we absolutely need to talk about on the pod, please write to us. Both of our emails are in the show notes. For little real estate tidbits and a little bit of banter, okay, a lot of banter, you can follow us on the gram. Our handle is the doubleshot.podcast. That, my friends, is the doubleshot.podcast. Until next time, think of us when you sit back and sip your next double shot.